Maria Nemeth. I'm a PhD psychologist, master certified coach, and the founder and director of the Academy for Coaching Excellence. This podcast is about you and your relationship with money. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Maria again. This is the Energy of Money podcast, and uh, thank you for tuning in. This is where we explore uh, the nature of our relationship with money, as well as some of the other energies in life. Remembering possibly from other podcasts, you've heard me talk about money, physical vitality, time, creativity, enjoyment, and relationship. All these are six kinds of energy that you and I have to learn how to use in life in order to bring about what it is we really want. And one of the most important areas of life is our relationship with money. I mean, let's face it. What are some of the reasons that you have used in the past for not really doing or having what you want? It may be, I don't have enough of the energy of money to do it. Now, in my last two newsletters, I've talked about the holographic nature of reality. And I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts as well, but I want to go over this a little bit with you uh, today. The holographic nature of reality is something that was promoted by a number of physicists, still is. One was, his name was David Bohm, who uh, had the sense that we live in a holographic universe, meaning that one little part of our universe contains information about the whole part of our universe. Now, I know that's kind of mind-blowing, but I don't know if you've read any of the poems by William Blake, one of them in which he talked about seeing the universe in a grain of sand. And some physicists are beginning to say, you know, maybe we do live in a universe that is holographic. There's, <laughs> there's another uh, point in physics called quantum entanglement. And you might ask, well, what has that got to do with my relationship with money? So hang on, hang on for a moment, okay? In this uh, entanglement, when you take one small particle and you cut it in half, you split it, and the ends go out at a uh, 180 degrees from one another, and you change the trajectory of one of the particles, the other particle changes instantaneously, faster than the speed of light. Now, they've been able to demonstrate this quantum entanglement uh, theory, and uh, Einstein called it spooky action at a distance, because he said, you know, this means that information is traveling faster than the speed of light, and nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. Well, this allowed uh, some physicists and philosophers to start agreeing with people like William Blake by saying, you know, the truth of the matter is that uh, we might all be interconnected at a different level of reality. And the fact that these two particles could uh, communicate instantaneously, it just means that they were never separated. They were never separated. So what has that got to do with you and me? Well, certainly uh, we can't observe these particles and 
even if we did, we wouldn't know what to do with them. And so what has that got to do with my life? Well, I'd like us to use this kind of as a as an entrance into looking at our lives, uh, because let's say, for example, let's say that maybe every area of my life, the minute I shift one area, others can possibly shift instantaneously. Just think about that for a moment. If I make a difference in one area of my life, maybe other areas shift as well. So take that in for a minute. I know I'm making a number of philosophical leaps, but you know some physicists are not too far behind in looking at our, our lives in this particular way. So, uh, and I refer you to a wonderful book written by Michael Talbot. It's called the, it's the Holographic Universe. So what has that got to do with me and my relationship with money, for example? Well, let's pretend that if I were to take an area of my life regarding money that I know I haven't attended to, I haven't dealt anything with it, handled anything with it. It could be an incomplete item, for example. Maybe, and I've talked to a number of coaches about this, and so all of you coaches, I, if you're listening to me, please uh, breathe at a normal rate. <laughs> a number of coaches I knew uh, where I would talk with them about their relationship with money, and I would say to them, do you have malpractice insurance? as a coach, do you have malpractice insurance? Now, most coaches say yes. However, there've been some coaches who say, uh, I don't need it. You know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not someone in that kind of a profession. Why do I happen to need malpractice insurance? Well, um, looking at it this way, clearing up that item getting malpractice insurance, which allows you some protection, if heaven forbid, uh, you should do something or say something and a client experience some harm from it, even if you don't mean it to be harmful, but they experience some harm and they want to sue you. Now, believe it or not, that's not too far from reality because as coaching becomes more of a profession, you know, well-known, there are going to be some people who get into a litigious uh, relationship with you. So as a possibility, at least. So I remember one guy, his name was Jake, and he said, you know, I don't have malpractice insurance. And I said, well, Jake, let me ask you, have you filled up your, your practice yet? I mean, are you booming? Do you have clients coming out of the woodwork asking you to, to work with them, you know? He said, well, Dr. Maria, no, I, that's not, no, I, I don't. I, I'm operating at about 30% capacity. You know, I could see a lot more clients. And um, I said to him, Jake, what would happen possibly to your practice? Not only in the number of clients you see, but in the fee that you could charge these clients, what would happen? in your practice, if you were to get malpractice insurance. And 
he took it on as an experiment. You know, I said, it doesn't cost that much. Go to ICF, the International Coach Federation, and check out their uh, malpractice insurance uh, folks. He did. He got malpractice insurance. It wasn't six months later that I got an email from him. Dr. Maria, I hate to say this. You were right. On two levels. Number one, when I got malpractice insurance, for some reason, I relaxed. I didn't know that this is weighing on me. The fact that, yeah, a client could possibly sue me. Let's say I, I don't intentionally do something to hurt them and they, they feel that it's damaged them for life and they want to have a financial, uh, some financial pay for that. He said, you know, I relaxed because I knew I was covered. And somehow in being relaxed, some clients started calling me. Some clients that I was seeing, they started referring folks to me. Now, was that because I got the malpractice insurance and it opened up possibility in my life, whether I knew it or not? Was it because that was true and also I was more relaxed? He said, I don't know. But all I do know is the minute I handled one thing having to do with my relationship with money, other areas started opening up as possibilities. Can you see that in your own life? Is there an area regarding money that you know for a fact, if you were to handle it, something that's been incomplete for you? Um, then that would open up other areas of your life having to do with money or even other possibilities. So think of it this way. Let's say there are things that you haven't done uh, regarding your relationship with money. Uh, it could be as simple as not paying your fair share of income tax. Now, I know this doesn't apply to you, but take notes for your cousin, okay? Let's say that you've been putting off having a medical exam because you thought you didn't have enough money uh, and or you haven't arranged with a uh, doctor, a physician uh, to pay a certain fee. You know, do you have medical insurance? Have you found the, the, the best way to get medical insurance so that you are covered and possibly your family is covered. Do you know that they're even now are, are having people take out uh, insurance for their, for their pets? Because believe it or not, some veterinary bills are way up there in price, yes? I would have you look at areas regarding money that you know you are incomplete with. You know, maybe, uh, you have accounts receivable, but you haven't checked up with those people on paying you back. Do you know that there's this principle in finance that the longer an account remains receivable, 
the less chance you have of ever being able to collect on it. So I know that you can find out for yourself areas that are incomplete regarding you and your relationship with money. And so here's the challenge. Make a list of eight to 10 of these areas. Pick the one that's easiest for you to handle regarding your relationship with money. You know what they are. You know, they're areas related to money that you feel a little discomfort about because you know they're hanging out for you. You haven't paid a fee. You haven't uh, joined a professional association. There's something that you haven't done that you know is there for you to do. Pick the simplest one to do within the next 10 days. Do it and make a note. You can keep it in a little diary if you want. What the minute you do this, are there any other areas regarding you and money that open as a possibility? In other words, completing something allows almost at the same moment something else to arise for us as a possibility. Something that had been in the background, but now it comes into the foreground because you've taken action to complete one area having to do with your relationship with money. Try it out. I know that the people who have done this have reported great results, and I know that it's possible for you to do that as well. So this is Dr. Maria signing out on this podcast and wishing you a most prosperous and wonder-filled week. See you later.